0: Hi, I'm Karen Crossley, and this is Rebuilding the American Dream, the student athlete experience. In this podcast, we introduce you to leaders in college athletics who are shaping the experience of the student athlete on and off the fields of play. We discuss the challenges and innovations affecting athletics in higher education, and how we can adapt to give student athletes a strong foundation for their futures. Today, I have the opportunity to talk to Stephanie Stevie Baker-Watson, Associate Vice President for Student Wellness and the Theodora Catula, Director of Athletics and Recreational Sports of DePauw University. She oversees 23 varsity sports, which compete at the NCAA Division III level, in addition to the intramural and club sports programs. Stevie earned a bachelor's degree from Ohio University and a master's degree from Northeastern Illinois University. Thank you so much for joining us today, Stevie. Thank you for having me, Karen. We're so pleased to have you join us and get to know you better and DePauw. Can you share a little bit more about your journey and what led you into athletic administration?
1: I grew up as an average high school athlete, but along the way, fell in love with athletic training. I got hurt, got introduced to an athletic trainer and decided that was my career path. I went to Ohio University for my undergraduate degree in athletic training and absolutely loved my time there. And once I graduated, I came back home to the Chicagoland area, getting up at six o'clock in the morning, going to bed at midnight, And I had about five different paychecks coming in from coaching high school club and college volleyball to working as an intern athletic trainer to getting my graduate degree to also working in a law office because I needed a little bit more to do. I got my first job once I finished my graduate work at St. Xavier University and spent just about two years there as the head women's athletic trainer. And then I had a wonderful opportunity to move to Aurora University, which is about an hour west of Chicago to be their head athletic trainer and an instructor of physical education and then also with the designation of SWA or Senior Woman Administrator. I was there as a clinical athletic trainer for about eight years, probably midway in that time is when I started to really consider doing something different than just athletic training. And that was when I got involved with a number of programs through the NCAA from Women Leaders in College Sports, which was then known as NACWA. And then in 2007, I made the transition to North Central College as an Assistant Athletics Director. And that's where I moved out of the day-to-day athletic training. And I started doing compliance work at facilities and events and all sorts of things and had a wonderful four years there before I moved to DePauw in February of 2012, where I have been since. I was hired as the Theodore Catula Director of Athletics and Recreation Sports. And I share that name because it's important. We had a group of alumni come together to honor Ted Catula, who was a longtime member of our athletic staff. And so sometimes people will look at me and say, where's Ted? And I said, Ted's not here, but we honor Ted. I honor Ted when I share my title. And then in 2015, I added on responsibilities related to wellness on campus.
0: So obviously your title is really unique. Why is it important to have the AVP for student wellness as a designated role in, in addition to your athletic director duties?
1: Well, that role really emphasizes my connection to the larger campus population. I think sometimes what people feel is that athletics can be siloed on a campus and that they are just serving a single part of that population. Now at DePaul, we've got just under 1800 students and I've got close to 600 student athletes that participate in athletics. So it's not a small group by any means, but doing the campus wellness piece, the student wellness piece recognizes that I have reached into to other places to help make it a better experience for the rest of our students on our campus. I first got involved in this really from the athletic training and the sports medicine side of things because that was a large part of our relationship with Hendricks Regional Health when we started working with them back in 2015. They also came to campus with a faculty staff clinic and a student clinic, but that sports med piece was heavy. So that's how I originally got involved. And then because of my background in athletic training and working at institutions where we had a contract model, I was familiar with that sort of healthcare for hire type space. And since then, I mean, I don't do day-to-day athletic training anymore, but it still interests me greatly. Like an individual's wellness and well-being is is a passion of mine. I want to use this moment in time working with 18 to 22-year-olds to impact them in a very positive way that allows them to gain lifelong skills now that, again, will bring them health and happiness.
0: So you work with not only just your student athletes in that role, but the, also the entire campus.
1: Absolutely. So I don't do day-to-day care. So I'm not in the, the wellness center. I'm not in counseling services. But if students are, are challenged by accessing those services, they're probably going to come see me. If they have questions about insurance coverage and how insurance works, immunizations, they're probably going to come and see me. So you know, the last couple of years at TAPA, at I was COVID central at our place. And so from that, I got to know a lot of students because my name was all over the place on websites and emails. And I got to know our our entire student body. And I think that that has been helpful because they see me not as somebody who is just driven to win, right? And only wants to serve the athletes, but somebody who is willing to listen to the, the students on campus to say, how can we best serve you?
0: So you mentioned previously the universities that you've been at, and they are typically smaller universities. So what's been special about those experiences at those universities?
1: Well, I will say I fell into the small college space totally on accident. I was looking for a large, large university experience as an undergraduate, and I got that at Ohio, or at least as large as I wanted it to be. But I came back, and the first school I got introduced to was Lake Forest College, actually. What I have liked about the small college environment is one, even though I'm in a titled administrator role, I still get to connect with students on campus. Maybe not the same broad base that I would have had as an athletic trainer, but I still get to know kids by name. They see me as as somebody who could be an ally and advocate. The other thing is, is that I love doing a whole lot of different stuff. So when I'm on my college campus and I'm in these small spaces, I don't have to just stay in my lane of athletics. You know, I'm super fortunate to paw that I'm interfacing with just about every member of cabinet on a regular basis, and I'm not a member of cabinet. I report to a vice president, but yet I have meetings with all these other people on campus to get our our work accomplished. And I like doing that because I'm I'm a lifelong learner. So being exposed to all those different people and ideas and the knowledge that they have in their head just makes it fun and exciting to go to work every day.
0: As you've been meeting with different people across campus, are you still serving on the administrative council?
1: Yeah, Dr. Lori White came to us from WashU in the summer of 2020, and she came in right right when COVID was happening, and now that things have settled, she has reimagined that administrative council into the university leadership team. So it looks very similar, where you not only have cabinet members participating, but then you have the twos, the threes, the fours, as I would describe it, through each of those different divisions sitting around and hearing the same message. Sometimes what happens in higher ed is you just have this talking voice at the top of the hill. and You're not really sure what that means. And there's a lot of space left for interpretation. Dr. White has made a point to speak directly to us to fill those gaps and clear up any information, misinformation, but then empower us to go back to the groups that we work with to share that same message. So that way we are all, we're all working together.
0: How have those meetings and those experiences helped you achieve your goals for your student athletes?
1: It's always good when I know what's going on in the rest of the institution. I think that I do a really good job connecting dots and seeing things sort of off into the future. I will say to people, like, I can see the bridges out miles and miles ahead, and I'm going to use every step until I get to that bridge to figure out, do I need to take a step to my left, to my right? Do I need to speed up? Do I need to slow down? So allowing me to understand the the greater challenges of the university and successes have been great. I mean, from an athletic space, I talk to enrollment management, not because they're telling me how many kids that we need to recruit, but because we know that we play a, a key role in the foundation of every class that comes in, in terms of our numbers. We want our student athletes to participate and have the academic credentials like every other student on campus. I'm like everybody else too. Like I've had facilities that need repairs. If if I have the, the thought process that athletics should be the only one dancing on the main stage, I'm not actually gonna build relationships. Being in those meetings with others allows me to build relationships and cultivate and support those relationships at moment when we're not at a high stress time. High stress times are the worst time to try and, and build your relationships. I think we saw that throughout COVID left and right. So I, I work every day because I wanna be able when something goes wrong to pick up a phone call and, and somebody say, I value what she's going to share with me and let's try and solve this together.
0: That's a really good point. I hadn't really thought about that, that sometimes our relationships don't start off on the best foot because it was started in a, in a high stress relationship. And that I'm sure has contributed to your work has contributed to the goals and to the values of DePa as as a whole.
1: I'd like to think so. I mean, my I I say that my role as a director of athletics is to ensure that our athletics to program is healthy for the next person to come in to take this role because I'm not always going to be in this role. I am part of a larger group of individuals that is going to make sure that DePaul can sustain itself for another hundred years. We just celebrated our 185th year. And in an, an environment where there are a lot of small private liberal arts colleges in the country that are rethinking their business model and perhaps closing their doors. We're not at that space, but. We're not going to sustain ourselves for the next hundred years because we're lackadaisical in our decision making. We still need to be very methodical and thoughtful about the steps that we're taking now. So that way, those who come behind us have an opportunity to see this university first.
0: As you're the athletic director, uh, how do you center the student athlete experience uh, for your 600 student athletes?
1: This is where I'm super fortunate that I work with a bunch of people in my space, and we are all on the same page in that we want to provide all of our student-athletes with a similar experience, and we want to provide an experience that treats them with dignity, understands that what the decisions we make at, at our, our table can affect their day-to-day experience. The other thing that we try to do with the DePA Athletics experience is mirror as much as we can the overall DePA experience. So we will have more than 90% of our students that will do some sort of off-campus internship. We'll have more than 50% of our students actually do study abroad. And so sometimes our student athletes won't be able to take advantage of that. We do have a lot that will though. They will take a fall semester and they will travel and then they will come back and have their competitive season in the spring or vice versa. But for some of our sports, it's hard to get away. And sometimes it's financially prohibitive. So. Pre-pandemic, we had all these international trips that were scheduled to go, and we had to cancel them. And I'm really happy that we've got those back on the books. So we're going to have close to 70 kids in our football program go to Italy in May this year. We're going to have 25 individuals in our women's soccer program go to Spain and Portugal. Our women's lacrosse team is going to go to Colombia to do work with underserved children and teach them the game of lacrosse. And that doesn't even count the men's basketball trip we got sitting out there, the women's basketball trip, the field hockey trip. So whenever we can mirror that experience, so that international cultural experience within the the confines of athletics decision-making, we're going to want to do that.
0: That must do a lot for team building as well.
1: It absolutely does a tremendous amount for team building because we have this moment in time where our student athletes are really just focused on themselves and their teammates and having that shared experience. It also allows us to make connections across campus. So it's not unlike us to invite a faculty member to join us on those trips because they've either helped us out a whole lot or they have an expertise in that part of the world or in that culture. And so come with us. The other thing that it helps us is it helps us show people that we walk the talk in athletics. We, again, are not siloed. We are paying attention to the strengths of the DePauw experience and the strength of the DePa education, and we want to make sure that that's woven throughout their athletics experience.
0: So you mentioned being able to, to present the DePauw experience also through the student athlete uh, eyes, and, and for you yourself, you're actively engaged on several national athletic boards and committees, um, which if you wouldn't mind, you name a few of them, because I think I'm going to get some of the acronyms wrong.
1: Absolutely. One, I think that service to national organizations is needed by everybody in the industry. It's how our industries are going to be able to continue to sustain themselves. But it is some of the best professional development that I have been able to get, not only in content, but in watching leadership in motion and seeing how people work a room and how they gain consensus and collaboration, how they might make somebody not so happy with them. Like I get to see that too. But right now, I sit as part of the, the board for Minority Opportunity Athletic Association, so that's MOA. I'm also part of the advisory board or advisory team for DICE, which is the Diversity, Inclusion, Equity Council of Excellence. I have had times with Nadia, which is the National Association of Division Three Athletic Administrators, the NCAA and any number of my committee appointments. I loved my time on the Committee for Competitive Safeguards and Medical Aspects of Sport, as well as Management Council. I'm still doing some work in the NCAA related to the, the new constitution. So serving as a member of the advisory committee in that space. And I think that that is gonna sunset itself pretty soon here. But when I have moments of time, it's not about joining everything and it's not about joining everything at one time. It's about where can I lend my skills and talents to best serve the organization that I'm with while also bringing myself personal joy because I get to meet these new people and I get to learn these new things.
0: You must have to also strategically pick the things that mean something personally to you. So how do you use your voice and those resources that you mentioned to ensure that everyone has a seat at the table and collaborates together? How are you personally able to do that?
1: You hit the key component to this, right? like you need to have a personal investment to do this work. I want this work to be transformational, not transactional. There's very few places where you will find all my committee assignments listed, unless you're looking at my resume or you're looking at something that's supposed to be resume-like, right? I, I don't go around with all those badges, but I go to places where I think I can be needed because of my information that's in my head, or because I'm willing to sit at a table, having watched all these people do this work, I will say, Watching Dr. Robert Gates, who chaired the NCAA Constitution Committee, facilitate our discussions and work our room, so to speak, that itself was phenomenal, regardless of the outcome and the content, but just how he navigated that, that teaches me a whole lot. So for instance, I don't have to speak at every table, but I also need to know when is it important for me to use my voice because there's either a gap in that conversation or there's a perspective that we need to bring to the table.
0: But what what else do you think that we can be doing to encourage more diverse engagement?
1: When I sit in my leadership chair, 95% of the time, I know what I want the outcome to be. And I probably know the path that I want to take to get there. But I need to be intentional about how I set out that conversation with the rest of my staff. I'll share the outcome. But then I'll throw out a bunch of different things to say, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Because I do want them to talk it out and share their experiences with things. I have a lot of one-on-one conversations with our coaches because they'll be in my office with me and they'll be struggling about a decision, let's say on student discipline. And then we'll be in a larger meeting talking about student discipline. And I'll turn to that coach and say, "You know, we've talked about that in private. If you're willing to share, I think your colleagues could really value your opinion and learn from something. So our experiences shape Shape our thoughts, right? Shape our actions. Shape who we are. We need to provide a platform to get that out there, so we have the best result possible. But I also think we have an, We have a responsibility to build each other's confidence up too. But I've learned along the way that my role is not just about getting my thought stuff out, but it's how do I get everybody at the table to give it out too.
0: I, I really like that idea that encouraging other voices isn't necessarily a super active. A conversation, but it's one in which you need to be stepping back and letting other people's voices be heard. So this spring, you were named NACDA 2021 to 2022 Cushman and Wakefield Athletic Director of the Year for Division Three. What has that recognition meant to you and to DePa?
1: It is very special. Uh, anytime you have an opportunity to be recognized by your peers for the work that you do, that means something. So there were members on our staff here at DePauw that, that nominated me for that. And then I was chosen by a selection committee through NACTA to receive that award. But in talking with my staff, right, and saying thank you in that, they saw that through everything that we were doing, whether it was COVID related on campus or athletic related on campus, that my goal was to make this a better place for them. And that I heard them. I understood that they were struggling. They, I think were grateful to know that I was struggling too, through all of that. Um, So to have that recognition was great. And it was wonderful that a number of our staff members were able to be there uh, during that presentation in Las Vegas. Uh, Our president, Dr. Lori White came out. My family was there for that. I had a a ton of friends there. So it was super special. Not why I do what I do, um, but always great when you are the duct tape and super glue person and the one who's behind the scenes, oftentimes, uh, to be acknowledged in that kind of way by your peers.
0: So one of the things that you contribute to the the larger organization, and as well to, to national um, colleagues, is from a previous conversation, you mentioned that you give a talk entitled, The Athletics Budget is a Unicorn. Uh, what What does that mean?
1: Well, this is like one of my most popular things. I, for the last Probably seven or eight years have been part of NCAA programs. And we always talk about finances because finances and athletics can be complicated. I've got probably 60 to 70 different accounts that I'm managing or I'm responsible for managing. But I share the story of what happened at Tapaw with our finances and athletics and how we went from a space where we were overspending to having our revenues and expenses balanced. And I compare the athletics budget to a unicorn saying that it's magical, it's mythical, but it also has this really sharp, pointy horn on the top that if you are not paying attention, like it's going to poke you. It is really easy to slide quickly in the area of finance, especially in athletics when you've got, I've got 23 teams going 23 different directions and I'm trying to make sure that we're all sort of doing the same thing while one's flying to California and one's driving to Florida and all that other kind of stuff.
0: So you just mentioned an interesting point that you have one team flying to California and another driving to Florida. How, how are you using that budget to establish some equity? I think maybe some student athletes are like, why am I on a bus to Florida, right? So how are, how are you using that budget to, to kind of establish that equity throughout your programs?
1: So that's one of the things that I'm most proud of here at DePa is that we outlined what our values are. So we value the student experience, job satisfaction, competitiveness, brand, health and safety, diversity and inclusion. And all of our decisions are measured against those six areas to say, are we gonna have high impact or low impact? Well, through the course of, again, telling the story of how we went from spending more money than what we had to balancing our expenses and revenues, we created what's called our guiding philosophy. And we started with the laundry list from Title IX and went Bit by bit, and outlined what it meant. You know, what was the definition of a uniform? So, what was going to be paid for for operating expenses? What was going to be paid for by fundraising dollars? The outline stuff on travel. The Midwest, where DePauw is is located, has some fantastic competition for most of our teams. Not all of our teams, though, right? And I have some teams that are exceptional and high ranking on the national stage. If we want, if I want those teams to play at the highest level and achieve the greatest accomplishments, I'm not doing that program of service by telling them they've got to play within a 300 mile radius, even though their competition is going to be poor. I'm going to work to send people places so that way they can play the right competition. And sometimes it depends on, it depends on where you're going and the time of your year you're going. It's not ideal to put a bunch of people on a bus and drive to Florida. I'll be honest, but if you're gonna be down there for eight days, that's actually probably a better option for you than flying down and having five rental vans and shoving everything in, like you just get to spread out a little bit. But like this year, we're, you know, we're gonna be sending our, our women's basketball team to Hawaii. I can't put them on a bus to Hawaii. And I'm not gonna bus them to LA and then put them on a plane. So we just balance it out. And I also encourage teams, if softball is flying for spring break, I'll go to baseball and say, can we find a way to do this for you all too? Because not all the parents and not all the students know those behind the scene conversations. They look surface and go, why are they flying and in California and why are they busing and in Florida? Well, foundationally that's because that's where the coach chose where to go. And then along the way, the decisions got us to lose. I'm proud that we put our money where our mouth is and all of that, but it's getting pretty expensive out here. I will tell you that. Like, <laughs> Inexpensive. expensive.
0: So how can our audience access the advice that you give in this talk and, and learn more from your experiences?
1: Well, I am always open to folks emailing me uh, and getting that information. Welcome to email me. All I ask is give me a little bit of grace period because my email inbox fills up like everyone else does. And sometimes I miss some things. So just circle back around, but I'm happy to, to share that information and the things that we learned along the way. So that way they perhaps can make it better for their athletic department.
0: Well, if you wouldn't mind, we'd like to, to put some contact information in our show notes, if that would be helpful.
1: Totally great.
0: Great. Wonderful. So, uh, this podcast is called rebuilding the American dream, the student athlete experience. What does the American dream mean to you?
1: For me, I think it's that everyone feels like they have a place to belong. Uh, I look at where I live in West central Indiana compared to where I lived in the suburbs of Chicago and it's different. And I just want everybody to have a place where they feel like it's home for them. I want them to be surrounded with people. I think the American dream means that you're with people that you're able to love and love you back, whether that means it's family by blood or family by relationship. And I want people to have more joy and happiness and less sorrow and pain. But I recognize that for the world to happen, you gotta kind of have a little bit of both, but I wish for more joy for sure for everybody.
0: So with that, what advice would you give to young people contemplating their futures in perhaps athletics, uh, collegiate athletics, and to, to strive for more of that joy?
1: You've got to look at this as a lifestyle. And I don't say that from the context of you need to be on 365, twenty four seven. that's not it. But one of the things I like about my job is that every day is different. I don't always start at eight o'clock in the morning. I don't always end at five o'clock. Uh, you know, I'm seeing different people throughout the day. If you like that kind of environment, then you're going to be great. If you want to have a predictable day, you love your calendar more than anything else and cannot stray from anything on your calendar. Like I'm not sure working in college athletics is is where you want to be. Because one of the things we have to do probably more more than other things is we have to be able to adapt and change quickly. I think the other thing for people that they're looking at is that they've got to They've got to find those things that bring them joy. They've got to consider that that is an active process. It's not just what people around them are telling them that they think that they would be good at. Um, And I think the last thing that I would share with folks is, is that it's awesome to explore. It's awesome to explore and find out all these different things. Don't be bound by job titles or any of that other kind of stuff honor your commitments. If you, if you wanna do a, a two-week internship with somebody, do a two-week internship with somebody, even though if by day two, you're like, this is not for me, I don't like it. Figure out how to muddle through that last 12 days kind of thing. And when you really enjoy those experiences, find others like that, because you may find that actually your supervisors play a key role in whether or not you like that position and you like that work at one institution or one place, compared to something
0: else. Well it's very obvious that you have a lot of joy in what you do and I'm sure that's pretty infectious across your campus as well as within your department. Stevie thank you so much for your time it's been a pleasure speaking with you. You've been listening to me Karen Crossley of Degree Insurance and this is Rebuilding the American Dream the Student Athlete Experience. Find out more on our website, americandream.fm, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Degree Insurance. Until next time.